when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black? Carr from under center looks downfield, fires deep, complete. Waller's got it. How about interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Henry the speed touchdown car with another bomb and now your host evan grote and let's go raider nation welcome back to a new episode of just pod baby i'm your host evan grote happy to be here with you again this week and we have some actual on the field football news to discuss this week phase three of the otas began across the league and it was good to see some footage of football activities going on in the offseason, unlike a year ago at this time when uh, our country was was locked down, uh, sports put on pause. Now, Just Pod Baby is part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. The site is up and running. Check it out for not only your Las Vegas Raiders news, but all things Vegas sports, if that's what you're into. Also, some news that I want to share with you guys in regards to the podcast. I've decided to launch a brand new website dedicated solely to the podcast where you can find all of the latest episodes housed in one location for you. I also want to encourage you to check out the blog page of the website. I'm going to be posting just some quick little uh, stories or or just some of my quick thoughts from time to time. And, and you can leave comments on all of those different posts that I make. And, you know, I want to create kind of a dialogue with with some of the listeners out there. And another um, feature that I really want to point out to you that I would love to see the listeners get involved with is the contact page. You can go to the contact page and you can reach out to me by shooting me a message with any of your thoughts related to the show guests that you'd like to hear from, questions that you want answered on upcoming episodes, any kind of topic or player that you want discussed, or if you just want to vent after a bad loss or anything else, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, I'll respond and and we can chat through the contact page. Uh, And I really, this is, again, this is really where I want the listeners to get involved with the show. So send me some of your stuff and, and I'll discuss it on air. And of course, the website can be found at www.justpodbaby.com. So I'm real excited about that. I encourage you to go check it out and just let me know what you think about the site. There's going to be some changes happening along the site from, from you know, I'm just getting, getting it underway. So there'll be some little tweaks that I make here and there. But let me know what you think of the site and I, and I hope you really enjoy it. Later in the show, we will be joined by our guest this week, and that is Sam Gordon, who covers all things Las Vegas sports, including the Raiders, for the Review Journal. So we're going to get him on. We're going to chat with him and just get some of his insight uh, into the Raiders. But before we get into that interview... I wanted to get a couple other topics out of the way here first at the top. As I said this week, the Raiders did kick off uh, OTAs, veterans and rookies took the field together. And, you know, really this is the closest thing we've had in a while to, to real football action. So it's good to see that. It's good to get a little fix that we've been yearning for at this point in the season. We get a chance to see some of those rookies or new free agents out there uh, in the silver and black with some of the photos that out, that are being tweeted out on social media and, and by some of the beat writers and 
Um, you know, we're, we're getting some stories now from some of the beat writers um, on, on what they're seeing out there. And also, uh, we did hear from some of the players this week who met with the media. And I'm going to be dissecting some of that audio uh, in, in a few moments. But uh, just some quick info on OTAs. I saw the number 83 of the 89 players on the roster weren't in attendance. And, and that is great to see. Uh, for what it's worth, the, the the six players who were not present on Wednesday's practice, at least, were um, that was open to media, uh, was Josh Jacobs, Yannick Ngakwe, Quentin Jefferson, Isaiah Johnson, Derek Carrier, and uh, Divine Diablo. Now, I'm not really overly concerned with with uh, any of these guys out there. You know, you'd love to see you would love to see Isaiah Johnson, who's a young cornerback on this team. Uh, getting out there, getting some work in with with new defensive coordinator Gus Bradley and trying to learn that system. But I'm not overly concerned about him. And keep in mind, you know, we don't know what's going on in these guys' personal life, so don't I don't want to speculate uh, anything about why they're not out there. Diablo is another guy you might want to see out there because he is a rookie, but he's not currently under contract yet. And I know that I did see that there's two other rookies who have not signed their rookie deals yet as as well, but they're out there practicing. But, you know, sometimes these rookie deals take a little time. They used to take a lot longer um, than they do now. But since they've, they've changed the policy with rookie contracts to that slotted salary system based on, you know, where they were selected in the draft, they usually don't linger on too much. But it's still early, and I, I expect him... Um, you know, he'd be good to go. It, it's still early. He'll he'll be good to go. Um, but I'm I'm happy to see such a large turnout. We were, you know, we were all a little bit disappointed just a couple of weeks ago. Don't keep don't forget the Raiders were one of many teams across the league who released a statement saying that they would not participate in offseason training, right? They were going to be one of the teams who boycotted uh OTAs, but we learned a, a day or so after they released that initial statement that they met as a team and decided they that they would, uh, in fact, participate in OTAs, um, which I think was a, a, a very wise decision. And let's be honest, why the heck wouldn't they, right? I understand that, you know, uh, what, what, what the players... Uh, Union and J.C. Treader was trying to accomplish. They were trying to get their union to stand united um, against the 17-game schedule. And don't be don't be fooled. Uh, they talked about player safety and COVID as the reason why behind that boycott. This had everything to do with the uh, schedule going to 17 games. So make sure you understand that. Uh, but the thing I I never quite understood is that um, you know. There's so many players in the union, and they're all at different points in their career. And I felt like it was almost punishing the younger players in the league who need to be out there, who need to be getting that time um, in camp. I mean, you've got a guy like a Richie Incognito for the Raiders who's going into year 15. He's made plenty of money in the in his career. But then on the flip side, you've got young guys like a Keyshawn Nixon, Tanner Muse, a Meek Robertson. These are young players still trying to find their way in the league and they need all the time on task as possible. So, uh, you know, I, it never really sounded fair to me that a lot of these younger players would really want to agree to that. I felt like they were kind of pressured into, into doing what maybe, um, some of the veterans, um, in the league were kind of maybe telling them to do, but anyhow, um, it's all water under the bridge now. Players are out there getting work in. And, uh, you know, I, I'm so glad because I did not want to hear again this season, like we heard many times last season, how much 
of a of a factor not having the off season, a normal off season in 2020, led to some of the struggles uh, that the younger players on the team had. So uh, that will not be the case here in 2021. Now, as I mentioned, uh, I do want to get into some of the audio from this week's press conferences with with a couple of the players. Uh, I want to start with Richie Incognito. He was one of those players who spoke to the media on Wednesday. Here's what he had to say about the attendance at OTAs. I think it's a competitive advantage for us to be here working right now. Um, we're a young team. We're learning a new defense. Uh, offense, we're trying to sharpen our tools to uh, be more productive, put up more points, put more pressure on teams. And uh, it's just great. It's great for team building, great to be around the guys. Uh, Coach Gruden's taking good care of us as far as walkthroughs and uh, keeping things down tempo. But uh, it was important for us. You know, the, the offseason kind of started off with uh, the NFLPA and their agenda. And, uh, you know, we released a statement. But a couple days later, we came together and we were like, listen, other teams are working. We are uh, at a competitive disadvantage if we're not working. Let's get our asses back there and get to work. As a fan, y- you got to love hearing that from a vet like Incognito. And, and not only as a vet who- who's been around a while, but he's he's a guy who's coming off a pretty serious injury that, that cost him most of the year last year. But he understands, he's been around long enough, how important it is for a young team to put in the time build the camaraderie and you can just hear the leadership qualities in those comments and and you know his leadership is going to be needed especially along that offensive line that young offensive line this year and if you listen to one of the other players who spoke which was Clee Farrell if you listen to any of his press conference he gushed about Incognito and his leadership in fact Farrell said that every season since he's been on the team he is he has voted for Incognito as a, as one of the team captains and you know, I, I've got to admit, I was I was wrong about about Incognito. Not to say that I was against uh, him being signed when they did that a few years ago. I was against Antonio Brown, but I, I, you know, I just thought the baggage that Incognito was bringing into that locker room. I didn't know if that was was needed at that point in time. But the organization, they came out and said that they were going to have a plan for him, uh, a support. Uh, group, uh, and I think they've done an excellent job in managing him and surrounding him with with that support system. And all the credit in the world to Richie; he's been a good soldier, and he's been a really positive influence on the guys around him in that locker room. Now, the second piece of audio that I wanna I wanna play for you is from third year safety Jonathan Abram. Look, it's we all know it's a big year for Abram. He lost the rookie season with the labrum tear. He came back in 2020, didn't have a great year, was a little reckless at times, had some miscommunications, I think, in coverage. Honestly, he looked a lot like a rookie out there. It was really his rookie season. Um, You know, he's dealt with a lot of different injuries. I believe he even had COVID last year or was on the COVID list at one point. He's only played in 14 games in two seasons. But despite all of that, uh, you know, the struggles that he's had, he has still shown some flashes of playmaking ability, particularly in the run game. And, and say what you want about him, but you got to love his attitude. He, he's got a great mindset, a great attitude, and I love the intensity that he plays the game with. They just need to get him to play a little bit smarter with less mental errors and almost play more within himself. Let, you know, I remember saying this at times last year. It's not always about making the big home run play. Sometimes 
you know, hitting singles and hitting doubles is just as good. He's always looking for that home run ball, and I think that sometimes uh, gets him in trouble. But getting back to the audio, it sounds like his role this year will be slightly different from a year ago, and I'm very, very happy about that. Here's what he had to say. I mean, things are going pretty good, um, you know, um, pretty much going down to pretty much what they call the box safety, the strong safety. Um, it's been pretty, you know, it's interesting, you know, going from what we went to last year, playing a lot of split safety, playing high. Um, so this is kind of, you know, I feel like it's going to be more suitable to, you know, my talents and my strengths. So I look forward to this year, you know, and just getting ready to come back, you know, for each day, to, you know, tomorrow, OTAs, finishing up strong with mini count, and then coming back for training camp, you know, just trying to get everything down pat. Now, I don't know about you guys. But when I heard that, I started doing backflips because to me, that this is how he should be used. Close to the line of scrimmage, in the box, this is what he does best. See the ball carrier, hit the ball carrier. Make his job easier right now. You know, allow him to focus on one thing right now, and that's him playing physical, in-run support, and that's what he does best. That is his game. So get him close to the line. I love it. I love it. And as he continues to develop, then ask him to do a little bit more in coverage. But right now, I like what I'm hearing from him, and I like that the plan, uh, I like the plan that Gus Bradley has for John Abram. One last takeaway from uh, Abram's comments uh, to the media is he commented on Casey Hayward and his effect on the young secondary, which cannot be understated. Abram said that Hayward knows the system very well, uh, which is he's a great communicator, talks all the time, every play. He's been very, very helpful, he says, to the other young players on the team who are trying to learn the system. So it's just a win-win uh, for the secondary, they not only get a, a good player in Casey Hayward who should be able to come in right away and contribute on the field, but also they get a guy who can serve these young players as a mentor and another coach out there on the field, and they can lean on him, uh, ask him questions, and just look up to him for for anything they need. So I, I, I'm really happy about that signing as well. And, you know, for me, the secondary, when I look at this this team right now as a whole, the secondary is the group that I'm keeping an eye on throughout the offseason as we get into mini camp and into training camp. They've got a lot of pressure on this group right now to bounce back after a bad season in 2020. There's no more excuses. Uh, they are young. I, I know this, but uh, there's plenty of other young players in the league who, you know, who, who have had success early on in their careers. I don't want to hear any more about not having OTAs or mini camps or preseason games being canceled or not having a normal off season. That is over. That That is all over. Okay. That is a thing of the past. The front office has invested way too much in the back end of this defense, whether it was uh, free agency or draft picks, Trayvon Mullen, Damon Arnett, Abram, this year it was Morig. I could go on and on with the draft picks in the secondary in the last two to three years um, and early draft picks at that. We're not talking about sixth-round draft picks. We're talking about first and second, third-round draft picks in the secondary. It's time to get it together. Gus Bradley's system is supposed to be easier. It's supposed to be less thinking. And, you know, he wants his guys just to go out there and play fast. He brings over a very accomplished defensive backs coach in, in Ron Miles, who is known as one of the better DB coaches in the league. So now is the time for this group. And, and um, if not, 
if it's not the time, if they should struggle again this year, then, then, you know, it's going to be time to maybe go back to the drawing board for this, uh, for this secondary, but let's hope that is not the case. And we just see some signs of life uh, in progress from the, the young DBs uh, this season. All right, guys, uh, time for me to get to a quick break. And when I return, we're going to uh, discuss, I have a list for you, uh, a list of three three people uh, who I believe have the most to prove in 2021, as well as my interview with our guest this week, Sam Gordon. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Run down the field on Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Raiders! News, views, and guests. Just win, baby. There's only one nation, and they listen here. Once a Raider, always a Raider. All right, and we're back here on Just Pod, baby. We're going to um, open up segment two here with... Uh, a subject that I was thinking a little bit about this week, uh, who has the most to prove this season on the Raiders? And I think there's a number of different places we could go with this, with this discussion, depending on who you ask. Um, I'm sure the, the, the answers you'd get would be, would be varied. And I'm going to try to think of some maybe less common names here. I think there's some names out there that you may hear more often than not, but I'm going to, I'm going to look a little bit outside the box here with my list. Uh, the first one, I'm going to start right at the top here, and that's the head coach, John Gruden. He's entering year four right now, or this season, I should say, with an overall record of 19-29. and 29. And I know you've heard this before. You had to have heard this. Jack Del Rio, who was the coach the three years prior to Gruden getting here, had a 25-23 and 23 record in his three seasons. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that Jack Del Rio was the next Vince Lombardi, but he did have a better three-year record with a playoff appearance than, than Gruden has had. Now, Del Rio, he made his bed. He had to sleep in it, right? Um, when he decided to fire uh, offensive coordinator uh, Bill Musgrave after that prolific 2016 season with this offense, which was just on fire, hitting on all cylinders. Um, and, and then he held on to Ken Norton Jr., a little bit longer than maybe he should have, but the facts are facts. He won more games in three years than Gruden. That being said, Gruden took over in 2017 and he gutted the roster, traded away future Hall of Famer Khalil Mack, traded away Cooper, and I and I think uh, you know the jury is still out there on, on who exactly won those trades: the the Bears uh, or the Raiders or the Cowboys or the Raiders. I think again, depending on who you ask. You're going to get a lot of mixed opinions. But Gruden has now had three years to, to restructure the roster with his guys. His guys. He handpicked his general manager and Mike Mayock to be his personnel guy. And there has been some questions with the draft picks in terms of where they were selected and the value that they've gotten for some of these guys. The 2019 class, in my opinion, we can, we can now stamp a grade on that class um, at the end of this year, I always feel that that three years is a fair evaluation period, and, and that's you know we we have at that point we've had a large enough sample size to kind of evaluate some of these guys. Not to say that some of them won't improve after year three. It you know you see players all the time maybe not hitting their peak until 
year four, or you might have a guy who hasn't really done a whole lot with a team in three years, and then he, he gets a new change of scenery, and he kind of flourishes. So, you know, I'm not saying that that stuff can't happen, um, but I, I just think three years is is a good uh, number to as far as evaluation is concerned. You know, you look at the defensive side of the ball, and the Raiders have been horrendous in Gruden's uh, time back. He's now on a second defensive coordinator after he, you know, he handpicked Gunther. He was that was his guy, and you know he gets a lot of criticism as well for for hanging on to Gunther maybe a little bit too long. He fired Brenston Buckner after the twenty nineteen season, and then he brings in his old pal Rod Marinelli, right? And the defensive line actually plays worse, and he's been criticized a lot for that move as well. Um, which I think is is all fair based on what we saw last year. Um, again, I think these criticisms are fair. Um, there must be some improvements this year on defense. There, there absolutely has to be. It's now Gus Bradley's job to get things fixed up over on that side of the ball. Offensively, though, the team, if you're going to throw support in Gruden's way or in his defense, you're going to point to the offensive improvements that were made Derek Carr's playing very well, putting up solid, consistent numbers under Gruden. Uh, you can't you can't ignore the fact that Gruden was responsible for plucking Darren Waller off the Ravens practice squad, and he's transformed him into, I'd say, a top three tight end in the league, maybe maybe top two. Um, I, I think you can make that argument. And the offense was a top ten offense in the NFL a year ago. Um, but I, I think if you want to look at an area to be really critical of Gruden I think it would be there's two two areas they would be the creativity department with his play calling I think he could do more there I really do and I'm no listen I'm no X's and O's guy um, I, I'm a fan you know who knows a little bit about the game but I've watched it long enough to see when a coordinator is is super creative when I look at a guy like Andy Reid, right? I mean, he's as creative as it gets. He knows how to utilize all his talents and, and uh, the the personnel and the groupings and all of that. I think especially in the red zone is, is where Gruden kind of shows his lack of creativity. Um, and, and I think there was a, a bit of a failure to utilize Henry Luggs last year as well. I talked about utilizing your per- personnel. I'm going to stand by that comment. We will see what he has in store for Ruggs in year two. Um, but I think the other big failure by Gruden so far in his in his return to the Raiders um, has been the way the team has finished in each of the last two seasons, 2019 and 2020. Say what you will about the injuries and COVID. We heard all about it from Gruden. Um, but in both 2019 and 2020, the Raiders finished the final seven games with a 2-5 and five record. Now, both of those seasons, they were right smack in the middle of the playoff hunt. And when your team has that kind of letdown, there's no excuse for it. That has to fall on the coach, especially last year when, you know, hypo- or in theory, I should say, the schedule lined up very favorably for them and they still couldn't get it done. So to me, that's on the coach. That's his responsibility. Now, the second name that I want to add to my list here. Uh, and again, some of you might disagree with this choice, but I'm going to go Cleveland Farrell. And, you know, I, I go with Cleveland Farrell in this spot. Um, and this isn't me taking a shot at Farrell at all. But hear me out. He's entering year three now. And 
that fifth year uh, option, that decision is looming for him. And I, I can't sit here right now at this second and say it's a slam dunk that he's offered that extension. Can you? Can you sit here right now at this moment as you're listening and say, oh, no doubt about it, he's getting that fifth year extension? I can't. I can't. I can't sit here and be fair and say that. Now, if you're measuring Farrell's impact solely on stats, then you're not going to be blown away. And I think that is the problem a lot of us have with him. Only six and a half sacks in two seasons, 11 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. He just doesn't have the impact plays that you would like to see from a number four overall pick. And I think that's another issue that many of the fans, myself included, uh, that we have a hard time kind of moving on from is and is that you know he he was picked as the four overall pick and I just can't shake that no matter how I try to look at him it's not his fault that he was drafted there no matter what I do I can't shake the fact that he was the number four overall pick and he's just not producing like one and when I think of a top five pick I expect it to be a player who's going to come in and offer instant immediate impact and playmaking ability. And that's just not what we have seen from him. That's just not what has happened with Farrell. He's a decent player. Do not get me wrong. He offers some some really good qualities. He He's versatile. He can line up on the edge, uh, on rundowns. He can, he can move him onto the inside on passing downs. And if you're into analytics, Pro Football Focus graded him out as their 16th overall edge player with a grade of 77 against the run in 2020. So it's not as if he's not existent out there. He does show up, um, you know, on tape. Uh, but I just think he needs to take it to the next level in year three. I really do. I, I, we know Gus Bradley doesn't like to dial up a whole lot of pressure with his defense. So it is it is crucial that the front four is able to get after the quarterback. And, and Farrell, who will most likely, as I said, be bumped to the inside on passing situations, he's got to be a big part of that. They need a presence from the inside. So is it too much to ask six to eight sacks from him? I mean, to go along with his ability to to stop the run and to be a good run defender? I think that is what this defense needs from him in 2020 if they want to make a big step uh, towards being a more respectable defense this year. And then the final name that I want to toss out there, and you can let me know what you think. You can DM me or contact me on the website. Andre James, what do you think about him? Talk about big shoes to fill, right? We all know how valuable Rodney Hudson was to the offensive line and the team. I mean, a team captain. We heard Gruden praise him over the years. Derek Carr always spoke extremely highly of Hudson and how he made all the calls for Carr and and for the offensive line and just made Carr's life and his job a heck of a lot easier. But now you've got Andre James, who's who steps in as the starter. They did bring in Nick Martin, uh, a veteran, to compete. But keep in mind, they gave James that extension. So that tells you all you need to know. Uh, about how they feel about him, he's going to be the starter. It is his job to lose. And pending a complete meltdown by him in training camp, he will be the starter. And, and you know, obviously, the coaches feel extremely confident in what they've seen in James, and we 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 just have to trust that right now. They, they've had him in the building since 2019, and they felt strong enough about his abilities to move on from a guy like Hudson. And not only did they move on from Hudson, but they extend James with a big contract. And if there's anyone that I believe in on that coaching staff, it's Tom Cable. He's done a great job with the offensive line. 
But at the same time, I do believe it's fair to at least have some some mild concerns with a young player like James, who's only got 115 or so snaps under his belt uh, at the position, um, at a position that's so vital to the offensive line as well. Um, let's face it, the the center, when you look at the offensive line, that's the main cog and and the whole thing, right? The, I mean, the, the center is is the catalyst, and uh, you know. I just think he's got a lot to prove. Um, so that's why I, I, I threw him on my list. Not only does he have a lot to prove to himself, you know, can he get the job done? I'm not saying he's got to be an all pro, but can he get the job done? And can he prove his coach in his GM that, that they were correct in making that move? Don't forget, they're on the hook for this move as well. And, and when, anytime you move on from an all pro caliber center who was still playing at a high level, and you take a chance on a young player who, who's inexperienced in this league, although they do have uh, a belief that he you know, has the potential to be great, it's a risk. It is a risk. There's no doubt about it. But we're just going to have to wait and see uh, how this all plays out with, with the offensive line in Andre James. So those are the three names that I have on my list. As I said, let me know what you guys think. You can tweet at me, DM me, or or contact me over at the website, www.justpodbaby.com, with your thoughts. And you can let me know who you believe has the most to prove this year. Now it's time to go out to the phone lines and welcome in our guest this week. He covers all things Las Vegas sports, including the Raiders, for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Joining us now is Sam Gordon. Sam, thanks for a few minutes of your time tonight, and welcome to Just Pod Baby. I appreciate you guys having me. How's everything going? Everything's good. Everything's good. I'm, you know, excited. This week the Raiders began phase three of OTAs, and you know, initially we thought the Raiders were were going to kind of go along with the stance that was recommended by J.C. Treader and, and the players' union not to participate in OTAs. But obviously the team had a change of heart. Richie Incognito spoke about that team meeting that they that they had where they came together and decided to to get out there and work. And I'm I'm really happy about that. It looks like 83 players of 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 the 89 guys on the roster right now were are out there in Henderson getting work in and you know based on the youth that's in the locker room and uh when you also consider the number of times last year we heard from coach Gruden over and over about not having an offseason and how that negatively affected this team how important is it that they've they've had such a, a great turnout this week and that players are out on the field getting some work in yeah, I think it's huge, right? I think it's huge for a number of reasons. One, you touched on it already. Uh, that that rookie class, the 2020 rookie class, and there were certainly expectations of that class for those guys to be in-back players. They didn't have a chance to, to really get a chance to develop and get their feet with, with OTAs and begin learning the playbooks and begin getting a feel for what an NFL practice or an NFL um, preparation is like until training camp. And all of a sudden, you have a really quick training camp. There's all these protocols, and then it's boom, it's week one. There's no preseason. There's no anything. So uh, I think for, for those guys, for those young guys from last year's group, they finally get a chance to get back up to speed. And, 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 and that's not to say that there weren't rookies or, or young players that, that transcended that last year and were, were still highly productive. Of course it was. There were rookies around all, all over the NFL, but not everybody operates on the same timeline. And I don't think – I think there's such a rush to judgment. We want to evaluate these draft classes day one, week one, year one. They're so, so, so quick to, to make 
decisions and evaluate guys and, and make judgments. And I think some guys take time. And I think for this Raider team, uh, there are young, like you like you mentioned, a lot of young players that are, are working through their timeline and and developing uh, at their own speeds. And I think after two, three, four years, maybe you have more of a sample size. On, on how good you know these players are going to be and if you want them to be part of your future but it, it gives it gives that that class a chance to grow it it, it gives I think you know most importantly you heard guys talk about it uh, on on Wednesday uh, when they spoke publicly to the media for the first time uh, during the offseason football is a, it's the ultimate team sport there's I mean it is you you sacrifice for one another everybody has to do their respective job and I don't mean to get in a cliche mode but how do you build that trust? It's by being around one another, by spending time together. And there was a lot of moving parts last year, a lot, obviously a lot of free agents that were brought in, a lot of young players, a lot of rookies, a lot of things of that nature. And they didn't have that time to kind of gel or to kind of bond. So now, like you said, with the turnout of 83, 83 out of 89 guys, you get that chance to develop the camaraderie. You get on-field work in with a you know, new defensive coordinator, if you're talking about the defensive side of the ball with Gus Bradley, you begin to develop and plant those seeds and develop those habits as a team uh, that, that lead into training camp to get training camp off on the right foot. So uh, I think for, for this particular team, for the Raiders that are, that are in the situation they're in, where, where, like you said, a lot of young players that they counted on last year, that they're going to be counting on this year, and that they're going to be counting on moving forward, gives them, up, gives them an opportunity to develop and be around the veterans in, in, a, in a much freer way uh, than they were able to be last year. Yeah, I think you touched on some some really good things there, and and you know, kind of getting back to uh, as I mentioned, J.C. Treader and the players' union. Uh, you know, the, the the problem that I had with that whole stance by them and the union is that it was never about COVID or it was never about player safety, as they mentioned in that original statement. This had everything to do with the expanded 17-game schedule, and, and Treader was trying to, to get his guys to kind of band together, be united, and kind of make a stand against the league and the idea of expanding to a 17-game schedule. And I just didn't think it was fair, especially to the young players around the league who you know, were not in position that, that J.C. Treader was in or some of the other veterans in the league where they're still looking to establish themselves in the league, looking for that next contract or their big first payday. Um, and, and I'm glad that some of the other veterans around the league, Richie Incognito being one for the Raiders, got guys together and said, listen, we got to get in camp. We got to get working. It's important that, as you mentioned, we're building that camaraderie, and and it's it's just so important for a lot of these young guys. But uh, I do want to kind of change gears here. I want to ask you about uh, another big topic in in the off season for the Raiders. That's the offensive line. There was a major shakeup to that group. Uh, Gruden and his and his yeah. staff be- uh, believes that they they not only got a little cheaper along the offensive line, but he thinks they got a lot more athletic as well. I I still think personally there's still some concern along the offensive line for me you know you look at you got Andre James who's played very limited snaps uh, to this point in his career they're going to start a rookie and Alex Leatherwood at right tackle and, and I and I like the player but that is you know he's still going to be a rookie stepping into a you know the NFL that's always that's always a big jump even when you come from Alabama Richie Incognito he's 38 years old he's coming off a serious Achilles injury Denzel Good looks like he is going to be penciled as a starter, a guy who's who's been more of a backup throughout his career, or a swing kind of a swing tackle, uh, or a, a you know versatile can play guard as well. But it just seems to me this thing could either work out really well, and they could turn out to be a pretty solid group, or it could totally blow up in Gruden's face. What, what's some of your thoughts though on the offensive line? 
Yeah, I mean, you you nailed it. It's it's a little bit of a risk. We know we know how good Rodney Hudson uh, has been uh, throughout the last several years. One of the best uh, centers in the NFL, and and then what Gabe Jackson's meant to that unit as well. I think uh, for all the Raiders' struggles, and I know you know the the some of the analytics might not necessarily bear it out, but for the most part. The Raiders' offensive line has been pretty solid. Uh, that, that's been a strength of the team the last few years. Uh, they had to piece it together last year. You had Trent Brown in and out of the lineup. You had Incognito going down. You had the the, the coronavirus situation where guys aren't practicing. It was really it was really kind of a turnstile and, and a makeshift uh, a makeshift offensive line. For the most part, I thought it held up pretty good. Derek Carr. Uh, one of the least sacked quarterbacks was able to, to do his thing back there and had a career year. He wouldn't have been able to do that had it not been for solid offensive line play. And I think what this turnover suggests is that it reaffirms how much faith John Gruden has uh, and Mike Mayock in the front office have in general in, in Tom Cable and what he's able to do, how he's able to d- develop offensive linemen, what he's been doing, you know, since his since he's been coaching, you know, an offensive line coach in the NFL. We know how long that's been. So that that's what that's what I think they're hanging their hat on is that Tom Cable is going to get this done. And uh, I think there is a lot of upside uh, with with the kind of the youth movement. Uh, you look at Alex Leatherwood was one of the best uh, run blocking tackles. Uh, in the league or uh, in the draft uh, coming out of Alabama, we, we know about his pedigree, Outland Trophy, All-American National Champion, and, and this Raider team wants to run the ball. So I think that skill set, uh, at, at least in year one, as he continues to develop as a pass blocker, is going to bode well for him and for the team as a whole. Um, like you mentioned, they, they, they did get younger. They got a little bit more athletic uh, as far as it pertains to, to Andre James. Uh, they they had him in the building the last couple of years and, and, and clearly had had a plan for for his development uh, for 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 him transitioning into becoming a, a starter uh, in this league and and I don't think they would have signed him to that contract extension had they not liked what they've seen had they not had Tom Cable not liked what he's seen so uh, yeah it's 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 going to be a new unit and I don't think we're really going to know how it looks until until you know or how it's going to how it's going to do until we get a couple games into the regular season I'm not even sure we're going to know week 1 but but I understand why why they made why they made the moves they did they wanted to get a little younger they like you said they wanted to get cheaper and they wanted to transition into this next era and if if Leatherwood um, pans out the way they they think he's going to I mean they did take him in the first round ahead of uh, offensive lineman that uh, a lot of analysts had graded higher uh, but if he hits, and, and who knows, we're going to find out in the fall, you have your right tackle of the future and you have Colton Miller uh, locked up at, at the age of 25, going to be 26 this year. You have your left tackle and you're set uh, at your cornerstone positions the next uh, you know, five years um, at minimum, and then you, you do what you got to do to develop guards um, once Incognito moves on and depending on what happens with Denzel Good. So it's, it's a question mark, but again, it reaffirms to me the faith that they have in, in Tom Cable and, and his ability to develop an offensive line. Heck, he did it last year uh, with, with, with guys in and out of the lineup and with backups starting and uh, starters gone and, and all that. So, so I think that's, that's having him in the fold. Uh, bodes well for the Raiders and how this this unit is is going to uh, develop, but but any any type of you know skepticism is is understandable because this is a new group. It's a brand new group, and and offensive line as a whole, I mean, outside of quarterback, I think is is the most important uh, position or or unit in, in the NFL. Uh, it's it's about protecting your quarterback. You've got to protect him, and uh, and and this group is in order for this team to have any kind of success in 2021, um, regardless of what the defense does, they're going to have to keep Derek Carr upright. So. We'll see. Um, it is it is risky, but I think there's, like you said, a lot of upside there as well, and it's understandable why they wanted to go in this direction. 
Our guest this week on Just Pod Baby is Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review Journal. And you can follow Sam on Twitter at BySamGordon. That's B-Y Sam Gordon. You know, Sam, I was talking a little bit earlier on the show about players who I feel have the most to prove this season. And I think there's a number of directions that you could go in with this one. But when you look at the roster, is there a guy that kind of jumps out to you that you can pinpoint or maybe a guy or two that you can pinpoint and say, you know, this guy has got to show me something this year. He needs to be more productive and, you know, he needs to make a bigger impact in order for this team to, to make that jump and finally get through it and into the playoffs in 2021. Yeah, I'll give you a guy on both sides of the ball. First on offense, I think Henry Ruggs, um, right? I mean, his, his, there's no doubt that his speed, uh, his 4-2 speed had an effect on, on the way teams defended the Raiders last year. And he had games, he had his moments where uh, he was, you know, he where he impacted, directly impacted winning. The Chiefs game, the Jets game, his plays, his big plays, uh, touchdowns. Uh, had a direct impact on the outcome, and, and, and his production was was extremely, extremely valuable in determining the outcome of those games. But this is a guy that they invested a top 15 draft pick in. Now he has a full offseason now. He knows what it's like. He has full ga- uh, a full um, 16 games to look at the tape, the film, or however many games he played. I know he, he missed a couple with injury, but what, what is he going to do? You draft a guy in the top 15, uh, you don't expect him just to be a decoy or somebody that, that clears, out, uh, clears out defenders by going over the top so other guys can get free underneath, I think the expectation is that uh, he develops into a you know a premier pass catcher, one of the best players on your offense. So uh, I I would expect him to to make a jump, um, and I think I think granted you know given the draft capital the Raiders invested, I think he needs to make a jump. I mean Nelson Aguilar was kind of that home run guy last year, and I know uh, I know Ruggs helped him out with that being on the field again, taking the top off that defense or taking some attention, but but now uh, is a prime opportunity for him to, to step up and, and become a more productive player become a, a complimentary player to, to Darren Waller because we know Darren Waller is going to be the number one option uh, based on how unstoppable he is or how hard he is to guard at, at 6'5 and 6'6 with his skill set. So uh, I think I think Ruggs is in a big line uh, or in line for a big year too, and I think the Raiders, uh, in order to, to unlock this offense, uh, need him to be a little bit more productive in year two. And then defensively, um, Corey Littleton. And, and we know what Corey Littleton has done in the past, uh, what, what he did with the Rams. He was a tackling machine. He could fly around in coverage, and he's a really, really productive player. And we just didn't see that from him last year. And I think, you know, because the secondary, because there have been all these moves made in the secondary and all these moves made across the defensive line, we've kind of forgot about the linebacking core a little bit. But they're bringing back all three starters. And if Gus Bradley uh, can unlock the Corey Littleton that played uh, with the Rams, uh, and if, if Corey Littleton bounces back, all of a sudden, the the second level of your defense it gets better as well. I thought the you know all things considered, uh, we know it was a bad defensive unit last year, but as a whole, I thought the linebackers uh, were the most consistent group, and, and that's with despite Littleton's struggles. So if if he becomes that player that that can fly around in coverage and also make plays uh, in the run and get back to where he was with the Rams, I think that 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 helps your defense even more than you're expecting it to be helped uh, this year. But but definitely given the year he had and, and the player we know he's or the, the kind of play we know he's capable of, I think. Uh, you know, it's crucial that he bounces back in order for the Raiders' defense uh, in twenty twenty one to reach their full potential. Yeah, I think those are uh, two names are, are very fair, and, and I think um, you know when you, you're talking about rugs, I, I think the one of the big things that was the issue for rugs necessarily it wasn't necessarily his fault in, in my opinion. You know, only forty three targets in 13 games. I, I thought Gruden mm-hmm. could have done a little bit more to get him the ball, get the ball in his hands, allow him to make some plays. Um, although we did hear 
Mayock and Gruden talk about how they thought he could develop a little bit more as a route runner. He needs to uh, do a little bit better job of uh, getting off coverages and whatnot. But, um, you know, I still think they could have gotten him a little bit more involved in the offense. And I I think that kind of falls back a little bit more so on the play caller with Coach Gruden. And and that kind of leads me to my next uh, question that I want to discuss with you. You know, what what do you think about Gruden? You know, he's actually someone who I also discussed who I think has a lot to prove, not necessarily a player, but uh, he has a lot to prove here as he enters year four. He has the 19 and 29 record so far in three seasons. The defense you mentioned has been historically bad under Gruden. He brings in Gus Bradley. He's going to be uh, tasked with with trying to, to fix this defense. Offensively, though, they have shown some growth. If there's some positives to what Gruden has done here in his first three years is, you know, Carr has played really well under Gruden. But, you know, I look at how this team has finished uh, in each of the previous two seasons. There's no excuse to be in the hunt at six and uh, four and then six and three this past season to end the season the way they did back to back years. To me, there there's no excuses there. So, you know, I think when I look at this roster, uh, the coaches that were brought in the offseason, the draft picks that were made, this team absolutely has to make a playoff push in 2021. And if not, then I think it's fair to start having that conversation of, you know, was it a mistake to give John Gruden that massive 10-year contract? What's your take on that? Well, I mean, if we do the blind resume thing and just look at the last three years and take the, the name and the contract away from it, like how many coaches would 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 still be standing, you know, after after a tenure like that and after, like you said, um, going out like that towards the end of the season. Now, given that John Gruden does have a pedigree, it does have a championship pedigree, does have that extension, he's obviously going to get a little longer, longer uh, look uh, in terms of being the head coach of the Raiders. But I'm with you. I think it, it's time. It's time. This team was in prime position to make the playoffs last year. Uh, and the, the way the schedule was uh, – was set up. It was actually the second half of their season in theory should have been a lot, a lot easier than the first. And it, it just wasn't the team didn't peak uh, like, like playoff teams typically do or often do towards the end of the year. They regressed. Uh, they, they were mistakes made situationally late in games, execution, all these things that you can't have if you want to be a playoff team. So now, now it's year four. Uh, there, there's a normal, you know, for the most part, a normal off season. So, so that card is unavailable in terms of, you know, we didn't have a, a full off season to get ready. Um, you're having an off season, and and like like we touched on um, earlier, mostly all the players are there. A lot of the most of the important key players are, are there, and the ones that aren't there, uh, remember this is voluntary. This part is voluntary, so um, the, I'm sure they'll be there at the mandatory part in June and get ready for training camp. So uh, the, the money's been invested in the defense. Uh, the offense has been built out. Like you said, you got to give him credit for the way the offense has developed. He, he, it, it has been uh, better the last couple of years. It was very good this past year. We know that's his forte. But but as, as a whole, um, I think it's time. I think it's time to complete compete for a playoff berth. And it's a reasonable expectation uh, given given where this team was last year, given the moves that they've made, that they that they finish. Uh, you know, nine and eight, ten and seven, eleven six. I don't know exactly what the record is going to is going to be to get in the playoffs i think it's different every year but the afc last year was loaded and the raiders were right there if they they make a couple plays late in games they're 10 and 6 instead of 8 and 8 
and um, and there is pressure on him, no question about it. So uh, I think you know expecting uh, them to compete for a playoff first and even make the playoffs is a reasonable expectation uh, for the fan base. It's not going to be easy. The schedule is extremely challenging, and, and we know we still have to see how this defense looks. Uh, on the field I think theoretically it's going to be a much much improved unit and it's hard to imagine uh, it can be any worse than it was last year and that's no disrespect but that's just what it was the numbers bear that out and the eye test does as well uh, with with Gus Bradley in the fold with with investing in a defensive line and a pass rush and, and going to get your free safety the future uh, it should be a much better unit and, and if the offense can sustain its level of play I don't even think it necessarily needs to improve if it, if it can be around a top 10 level and you have an average defense uh, it should be a team that, that, that can compete for a playoff berth and, and possibly make the playoffs. And at, at this stage, um, Gruden's had the time to, to, to make this roster in his image to, to, to put together the team he wants to. Uh, I think it's time, like you said, it's, it's totally reasonable uh, to, to have some expectations that, that, there's, that this is a, a playoff team or at least close to it. And, uh, and you know, 19 and 29 speaks for itself. The last uh, the last two years, you know, the late November, December stuff that that speaks for itself. I don't even really need to touch on that. So definitely a crucial, a crucial season coming up for for the head coach. Yeah, and and, and it's worth mentioning uh, the the head coach prior to John Gruden in his previous three seasons, Jack Del Rio was twenty five and twenty three with a playoff appearance. So it's worth mentioning. But uh, there you heard it from Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review Journal. Thank you so much for all your insight uh, this evening, Sam. I appreciate you giving us some of your time. Keep up all your great work, and and, and thanks so much for joining us. All right, no doubt, man. I appreciate you having me. All right, nice job there by our guest this week, Sam Gordon. And I agree with him with his assessment on both Ruggs and Littleton as, as two players who who have something to prove in 2021. Let's be honest, there's a bunch of guys on this roster right now that need to step it up this year if the, if this team wants to get into the playoffs. And it also sounds like that he he agrees with me with my uh, take on John Gruden. So, you know, be sure to to support Sam with the Las Vegas Review Journal, and you can follow him on Twitter at by Sam Gordon. Okay, guys, that is going to be a wrap for this week's show. Thanks again to our guest, Sam Gordon. And I hope that everyone enjoys the long holiday weekend. Also, take a moment to remember and salute all of those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms on this Memorial Day. Until the next time, I am your host, Evan Grote. This is Just Pod Baby. And as always, just win, baby. Just win, baby.